Jean and her crew pop up. Cyclops is like, all right, we're going to kill the brood. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Jean's like, absolutely not. She's like, some of these people can be saved. Like, Brew has his crew. They kind of get into, like, a little argument about it. She's talking. She's like, so you're choosing genocide. How very human of you. She, like, takes off his mat, his visor, and is holding his <laughs> his powers back with hers. Um, and they're just going back and forth. We get a quick data page where we see all of the war captains actually Man, talking they, about. They fighting in front of the team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They it's real bad. No, it's, everyone's watching, everyone's looking, Mouse jaws to the floor, it's crazy. Um, of another relaunch. I am the Ice Mistress, Ice, from DC Comics. Oh, that's hot. I am yeah. Simon Hall, a.k.a. Neophyte. One oh, of the who is that? Oh, Neophyte. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I remember that. I, thought, mm. I don't know. I thought you said Databyte, and I was like, who is that? <laughs> oh, God. That's a, guy, that's a hot name, though. I kind of like it. I'm going to say that for something. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, you know, it's been just a good week. It's been hot, so I've been feeling good. I've been feeling great about that, and I don't know, how are you? I'm good. You know, I, um, the weather is finally starting to break now here. It's been like a consistent 70 degrees now. It's supposed to jump to like 80 degrees next week, so we outside. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, everything else has been pretty chill. You know, anybody out there who has any kind of like, I was going to say a stay at home job, but I really don't want to work either. So if you just have like a bunch of money you want to give me, that would be fantastic too. I overheard like a conversation from some people in the store. Like, I don't know, this woman, I guess she was cussing out her son or something like that. And she was saying, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> <laughs> And it just really got me thinking. I was like, that boy probably don't want to work because nobody wants to work for the rest of their life. <laughs> but I hope he does figure it out soon because she seemed really upset. Like, and she was blocking me from my meat. So I was like, you got to move, sister. <laughs> well, hopefully give him time. He'll figure that out, you know. But I haven't yet. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. You know, one of the things I don't think they tell you about aging or that we don't make real enough is that you don't ever, A, kind of feel as old as you actually are, and that, B, I don't really think we hone in to people that you are always learning and growing and changing. And, like, what you think you want to do a year from now might change. What you did, like, five years ago could be the same, and then it would just come to like. And then, again, we did just go through a pandemic. Three years of my that, life is gone. And it shifted everybody's mindset. And I feel like everyone kind of just woke up and was like, yeah, let's change the way we're doing something. <laughs> <laughs> we need to wake up a lot faster on some things, to be honest. And, and, so, like, and so it kind of feels like we're it's a cultural shift. And we are like now navigating that shift to go like where we need to go to our next level. I don't know. I'm rooting for everyone. Well, not everybody, but I'm rooting for most people. Yeah. Hopefully we go make it to something. I don't know. I don't think I'm not working no more. Some of y'all should have been left behind. <laughs> so. 
I'm gonna start going down to where like the rich politicians hang out the bars. You know, they they talk about the cocaine gay orgies that they be having in DC. I could go to one of those. They are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should go. <laughs> so before I start telling all my business, um, let's go ahead and get into the updates of the week. Um, <laughs> uh, first up, we have some trailers that came out. Uh, the Marvels trailer finally dropped. It was like a teaser trailer, not really like a full-length one. Um, I got super excited for it. We see that the powers between uh, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, uh, Monica Rambeau, Photon, and Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, have like been intertwined. They're, they're like switching. There's some eye chinks there. It opens up with um, Monica going out, and she's like telling Nick Fury, I'm going to go look at the jump point and get you some readings, which y'all already know. I'm excited for because that jump point is clearly opening up to the Operation Galactic Storm storyline that I always like talk about here. And so glad we can finally like get this storyline and see what the hype is about. Because I really hope it serves because I've been talking about it. Like <laughs> it's got, it better be everything like I needed to be. <laughs> I needed to be like in, Infinity War in game level type of stuff because you've been going up. For this. That's what it should. That's what it was like in the comics. Okay, <laughs> but I, I can't. I, as we've seen, I can't really tell you what the MCU is going to do. But the storyline is about like the Kree um, opening a jump ship. I mean, a jump gate near the sun, and it's gonna like affect Earth. They basically kill everybody on Earth, so the Avengers have to go and stop it. In Operation Galactic Storm, the Shi'ar wanted to also use that gate and they like had beef with the Kree. I personally thought this would be a great way for you to bring in the Shi'ar into the mix and start to like sprinkle more X-Men stuff. We know we aren't going fully blown. Here go the X-Men and we're gonna like just start to sprinkle them in slowly. I think that kind of using this jump point and bringing in the Shi'ar would bring in some of that stuff. You could even say that like that's where Xavier was. Yeah, I know he loved to be up there. Okay, his girl up there. His girl. <laughs> so, His baby mama. Okay. He got a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, moving on. So, anyway, into the Marvels, uh, we see that, like, uh, Monica has switched places with Ms. Marvel, and then, like, she's, like, freaking out, super cute. Uh, Carol ends up coming in, and they switch places. She gets spooked when she sees Monica when she flies in, like, clear there's some stuff there. Um, overall, I was really hype about seeing them use their powers and like their fight at the end. My personal theory, check me if I'm wrong, everybody, when it comes out, but my theory is that the villain that they're fighting, they've said that the villain's name is uh, Dark Hen, which is like just, just some random general, but in the comics, Carol has the secret sibling, and uh, they made this, like, the Kree made this clone thing using Carol's mom's DNA, like some other DNA. Now she has a sister named L'Oreal, and that is who Hulkling's accuser is. And if we saw in this trailer, when they were fighting, that girl looked a lot like Carol, and uh, she also has an accuser hammer. I'm wondering if they just didn't want to go the secret sibling route, and <laughs> they just said, oh, we made another you, and this mm-hmm. is like the one that we're going to be using. Um, but oh, who knows? We'll see who she ends up her as her sister at the end of the movie, like family bonding ah, type situation. Something, yeah, more like that than like you know the comic of comic book stuff. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I'm super excited to see it. Um, I'm very hyped for this. Uh, Y'all know these are my girls. Love Captain Marvel. Really excited to see more of Monica. Kamala is also great. You know, I've, I don't really like the younger teen characters. Sometimes they get annoying, but she's adorable. Okay. Um, I watched the trailer. I like seeing Kamala a lot. She was so cute. Y'all see how she is? <laughs> <laughs> She what? Um, it was a cute. It was a cute trailer. Y'all see how cute it is? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> wow. Fine. That's fine. That's. It was a. I, better than you being a hater. I take that. I really like seeing Kamala Khan and like the moment with Nick Fury. She saw Nick and like, oh my gosh, like that was dope. Them switching was uh, cool too. And the I didn't think the CGI looked bad either. Um, and it also looked like Photon was going to fly. So I'm excited. Well, for you that. know, they did fire that lady who was in charge of that. So somebody knew was probably already yeah, making the changes. <laughs> they did. They got rid of her quick because uh, they were seeing those reviews. <laughs> well, in enough time, my favorite characters are, are having <laughs> so, I'm sorry to those before, <laughs> but you know, Wonder Man's coming later after the switch. So I'm excited for that. Um, also, they had some. They filmed that here at the LA Convention Center, and um, I tried to like <laughs> bounce off work so I could go to go see it. <laughs> but <laughs> they were like filming inside the convention center. If y'all see me on set and y'all see me in the movie, um, <laughs> it is what it is. Right, Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige, get your uh, ten cents. That's what I'm trying. I need to do something. I could be there as like you know one of like the fans who he has to meet because I'm sure he has to like go on a press tour for his movies and like meet fans or something. I don't know. Give me something. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, excited for the Marvels. I like the uh, teaser trailer. We also got some casting announcements. Mia Goth has been announced to join Mahershala Ali for the Blade uh, film being directed by Jan Jamanj. So. I know Mia Goth has been having like a hot moment right now, so her joining this has been interesting. People are guessing that she is Lilith, and um, Lilith as in the daughter of Dracula, not the the queen of the demons who was in the most recent Midnight Suns game. Um, what do you think? You're the resident so, supernatural fan here. So I've been hearing a lot about Mia Goth. I hadn't gotten to her movies like too much, but actually that's what I did the, over this week. I watched a couple of the films that she had been in, and I'm a believer. I'm like, I see it. Like, I watched Infinity Pool and Pearl, and yeah, I see why people like her. She does it. She's kind of that girl. I Pearl, and she's funny. I don't know if I was supposed to be laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she sells it. She's like a scream queen for real, and I think her as Lilith Dracula's daughter, if that's like the correct casting, I think that's going to be really exciting. Again, like the cast of this movie is really good. Mahershala, Delroy Lindo, um, Aaron Pierre, and Mia Goth, like, we're working. If we can actually start filming and like get, <laughs> get the people on set, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but we got all the ingredients to cook, so. Just that sometimes you just got to let it, let let the meal keep cooking for a bit. It, 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 it'll come. I will say, I saw a tweet on the Mia Goth casting announcement, and somebody was like, oh my gosh, she got a summon to jury duty for actors. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
think it's going to be interesting who she ends up actually being. Again, the Lilith thing was more of like a rumor that people are guessing. Um, or people might be thinking if Blade's daughter is going to be in this, Dracula's daughter probably should be in this. And like, hey, Marseille, then they don't need to do it. But nonetheless, I, I also saw someone say that she could possibly be Spitfire, who is the oh. Jack and Fallsworth. And you know her and Blade had a thing in the comics. I don't really need her to pop in, but... And I, I also her still like way older than her. I mean, Blade's a vampire. He's old. Oh, that's right. I guess. No, oh, no. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer her to be somebody else. Um, she also, we get announced. Been... Yes, agreed. Um, I'm excited to see whatever kind of costume they give her too, and or design. Also, we got announced that uh, Morena Baccarin and Stefan Capiti, apologies if I mispronounced their, your last names, uh, will return as Vanessa and Colossus in Deadpool 3. So I love Vanessa. Can, Copycat Hive, rise. We are winning. We are thriving. This is setting up something in the comics right now. My girl's coming back. I'm happy. Colossus, whatever. Now, all we need to do is get the final piece of the puzzle and get Bedlam back into this role and recast him because we do not want Terry Crews to return. That's the hashtag, guys. Recast Bedlam. Put it out. Did he die? Well, they all died. But the whole thing was that Deadpool went back in time at the end of the movie. Oh, right. I haven't seen Deadpool 2 since it came out. I didn't really like it as much as the first one. I have to admit. I agree with that. I think the first one was a lot better. Um, but I did like I liked seeing like the cameos of characters. They had Bedlam in it. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know what you want me to outfit. say. He, he had his little, little thing, thing, his powers. It was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were gagged. <laughs> um, all right, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come right back. I love when I have a good, exciting week. That's what, like, Truly. all the time. All right, everybody. Yeah, that's, like, when it's really good. And it's been going up for a while. So let's keep that momentum going. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another com- week of comics. Now, we had a nice little pull this week. That's what we were just talking about. So I want to go ahead and get some mentions out the way. Bloodline Daughter of Blade number three came out. Blade and Brielle finally met this issue. And it was just like everything that I have been hoping to see. Like he trained her a little bit. Um, he beat the deadbeat dad allegations. The mother was very much like, no, he was here trying to raise you, but he just got a lot of enemies. <laughs> so he had to go. <laughs> um, so shout out to them. And then at the end of the issue, Deacon Frost shows up and Deacon Frost is like the reason that Blade is a vampire. He's the one who turned his mom while she was like in prison and all that good stuff. So like, we got some stuff going on. That's a really good book. Again, like I've talked about it before, how I wasn't really into the shorts, but this miniseries has kind of like done a complete 180 for me and turned it around. Really excited to see more of this. Love the relationship that Blade and Brio had. I recommend to pick it up. Um, Moon Knight 22 also came out this week. This was the Tiger issue. So if you're a Tiger fan, it was probably amazing for you. I'm sorry. I just don't see it for her. I just... <laughs> 
<laughs> I've tried. I've read a couple of different things. It just is what it is. Sometimes everyone just doesn't have it. I don't have it for her. They're in a relationship. Isn't that now. wild when your favorite dating somebody you don't really like? It's like Yeah, it happens a lot for me actually. But <laughs> also that came up <laughs> was Captain American War. <laughs> and that started off this new event for the two caps, and we've been talking about it. The captains are in like a golden era of their comic books right now. Mm-hmm. Um Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Tochi Onyabuchi are all working on this together. And, like, you know, we finally get Steve and Sam kind of reuniting. Steve saw his son, Ian. Uh, Peggy Carter is back. She's causing damage. They're all working together. White Wolf, Bucky, a lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue, a lot of fighting. The art looks good. Misty Knight's in it. I've decided I need them to do something different with Misty's hair. I get it with the afro and it's iconic and we do it but i would really love for artists in general to kind of like push themselves with black characters and like black hairstyles and like do some research i think there are a lot of women who do really good natural hairstyles that would work on misty's character just to like spice it up for when she's in battle for when they're out on date night or something like that like she should have a little bit more fun i think we kind of gotta start reworking that design a little bit. But she looked good. She looked I good. I think her silhouette is always going to have, like, the afro. I think, like, that is how you decide, like, how you pick her out from a crowd. But I think she should also be able to, like, <laughs> change her hair. And I think even the way you do the afro can be done differently. You know what I'm saying? It's, again, like, I would just really love if uh, artists could make a better push of themselves to, like, really kind of go against the mode and, like, how they do these types of characters. Um, or, you know, we can get some Black artists on the docket who actually know how to we do it. We can always do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm okay with either option. <laughs> but getting into our main books of the week, um, oh, I'm going to take this one off. Uh, it's Fantastic Four number six. And Ryan North is still writing this, isn't he? Yes, this was by Ryan North, and the art was by Ivan Fiorelli, and the colors were by Jesus Herbertov. And this was a, another great science issue. Um, previously, in the last one, they got trapped in this like dark dimension. When they came out, um, there was this goo on them, and the thing used his powers on the thing, I should say. There was goo on the thing. <laughs> and human torch used his powers to like burn it off him completely within like a hairs and so he was like oh i'm not even gonna burn you like i'm so good with my powers i can burn it off on you well he didn't get it all i guess and in this issue the goo like ended up in this lake and it contaminated the water and there was this like really cool science stuff that you learned about how like they could like really mess up the ecosystem um so they like try to scoop up all the stuff. They use their powers in really cool ways. Uh, Sue uses her force fields to like scoop up all the fish out of there, and then like uh, Human Torch burns off all of the this goo. But then they learn that like they can't keep getting it because it's always going to like repopulate, and the only way to kill it is with taking out the sun, so that it doesn't have anything to like gain energy from. So what do they think? I think the Human Torch was like, well, what if Sue like made the sun invisible? And they were like, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and <laughs> Reed was like, actually, that does make a lot of sense. We should try it. So uh, Sue and Human Torch go into space to block out the sun. She uses her invisibility powers to block out the sun. Reed calculated that she wouldn't have to do it for too long. It would only have to be for like, I think, 72 hours or something like that. Oh, um, and um, it was, it ended up fixing the issue and it was only in this like isolated area of, I think they were in like somewhere in like the middle of the country. 
Um, <clears throat> so like she did it, really cool moment. But of course, this like caused some issues because girl, you just blocked out the sun. Yeah, <laughs> um, that sounds <laughs> like nice. <not true. laughs> <laughs> so who shows up but Maria Hill at the end and they were like, um, my girl, queen. Maria was like, girl, you just blocked out the sun. Like, <laughs> you are entirely too powerful for this. You need to come with us. And Sue was like, I don't need to go nowhere. So her and uh, Human Torch, like, uh, leave. They have to go and meet up with the, the, the other Fantastic Four. So it looks like they're going to be on the run from Maria Hill because Sue is a Maria weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, she, yeah. Better, she, better, she better lay low. I know she better watch that mouth. Because <laughs> And she backs it up, OK? You know, hearing Sue like made the sun invisible, it always makes me, well, it's not always, but it's making me think of the Justice League Doom movie where they were fighting Vandal Savage and he had that machine that was like shooting the rays, the solar rays towards the earth. And Superman was like, I could move the earth really quick. And Batman was like, <laughs> I don't have enough time to tell you why that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's well, yes, what that like truly doesn't make sense. Like, if I heard Brie like, oh, let's make the sun invisible, I'd be like, I just don't think that sounds like a good idea. But I don't know. I guess it works. Who knows? Um, Yeah, and it's only like making that area basically dark for a few more hours. Of course, the townspeople end up being mad. They already hate the Fantastic Four because they made these people disappear for a year. They're going to come back. But personally, I'm okay with it because they got rid of the kids. Um, And... The, but the townspeople were upset. But of course, when the lights came back on, it kind of, they kind of died down again. So, well, shout people out to die down when they get back what they want. Ryan North is a really good writer. Shout out to him. Yeah, this has been a fantastic run on the Fantastic Four. I don't know if anybody pays attention to comic book sales, but this has not left like the top ten since its debut. So I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Shout out to the Fantastic Four. And next issue is issue seven hundred. Even though you're. We know how Marvel is with the numbering. So, like, mm-hmm. it's technically issue 700, even though it's issue 7. Um, but Doom shows up. So, yeah. come back Who to else Doom. Will show up? King. We love that, though. Okay, what would you rate yes. it? Um, I would give this issue a 4 out of 5, honestly. I really liked all the science stuff that they were doing. Sue was doing great stuff with her powers. I also really liked the brother and sister stuff that we got with uh, uh, Johnny and Sue which we, like, rarely get in yeah. the previous run. I'm not going to say his name, but, like, in the previous one, they really didn't really do that. Sue was mostly just there to, like, like nag Johnny and, like, be, like, more of his mother. Where here, it's like, you're my sister. Like, we have a different relationship. Even though, yes, you raised me, you're still my sister. And I like that we got to see a lot of that. Okay. Cool. Shout out to them. Um, yeah. Next up on the list is Guardians of the Galaxy number one, a brand new number one, and that comes from again Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and the art was by Kev Walker. Shout out to Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. I feel like we haven't had like a big writer duo in a moment, and I like I think people like Dan Abnett and um, Andy Lanning and Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Like we've had a couple, and I feel like we haven't had one in a while. So it's kind of cool that they're like doing this, and they got the cool Captain America stuff. It's like we're moving again. But mm-hmm. coming into this, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little apprehensive about this new Guardians run. You know, I really did like the stuff that Ewing was doing in the last one, mostly because of the things that were going on with no, Starboard. And, 
and like the Master of the Sun stuff. And when I heard that this was going to be kind of like a Western themed Guardians, I was like, I don't know how much I was going to be too into that. Mostly because I was like, I don't want the stuff of Star Lord to be gone. But coming into this, I really, really, really liked it. Now, I will say, I oh. guess I was looking at it wrong. I thought it was going to be kind of like a complete reimagining. I thought it was going to be one of those situations where all the characters, like, forgot who they were. We were in this, like, different uh, world, and, like, they yeah. thought they were other people, and, like, that's what the Western was going to be. That wasn't the case here at all. Everyone very much knew who they were. They knew what they were doing. Like, it was, like, Star-Lord, Nebula, Gamora, Drax, like, Mantis. Mantis seems to be, like, displaying some new type of powers where she's kind of, like, transformed back and forth. I don't know. And they even made comments on it. They're like, you know, what Mantis are we going to get today? Um, so I'm interested to see what's going on with that. Peter, one of... So basically what happens with this issue is they're on this planet. And this is a planet full of refugees of people who their planets have been destroyed by Galactus in the past. And so there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of stuff going on here. So they're coming to kind of rescue them. Mantis is like in the saloon um, in her form. She's like great dangerous coming here. We need to evacuate right now. Star-Lord is walking through. People do recognize them. They're like, you're the guardians of the galaxy. Everybody knows who you all are. We know what you do. One of the boys actually says something to him that mimics what the Master of the Sun says to Star-Lord a lot of the times of like, do you think the basis of your life is a lie and things like that. So that was really cool to see. They get into a big fight with some of the more rugged characters on the planet who think that it's for them. And we find out kind of what they're running from, which is group fault. And it looks like this giant Groot on fire. And it's just like oh. his face. And he's uh, very angry. And he is basically trying to attack the people and the survivors from getting off on the planet. So they get everybody into these crates. They start shooting off. Mantis is like, I'm going to stay with the people. Group fall comes. And he starts, like, destroying the ships and killing all of the people. The one that Mantis did does safely get out to orbit. And they kind of talk about that. And this team just seems really down about them. They're like, okay, now we got to go to the next one and save those people. And, like, it always ends in fire. Like, there's something going on about, like, fire. Again, fruit was on fire. There seems to be a lot of things going on. And I was just really intrigued by it. I thought the writing was great. I thought Kev Walker's art really fit this tone of the story. The Western stuff was cool. The costumes looked great. They were still fighting again. Like, they knew who they were. I'm interested to see what's going on with Mantis. Um, Drax is there. The only Guardian who seems to be missing is Rocket. Oh, and let's is, celebrate that. Is there any, were there, were there any? <laughs> were there any mention they, of him at all? They did not mention him whatsoever. Um, they also didn't mention Groot. I'm like, obviously, when the group group falls, excuse me, I should say, when he showed up, they were like, you know, group fall incoming, da da da. We don't really know how he's gotten to the state. We don't know where Rocket is. We don't know why they're like on this particular mission to have to go and rescue people where he's coming to destroy their planets and things like that. What against whatever's going on with Mantis. But I'm intrigued. Like the writing I thought was super on point. The character voices felt on point. The designs looked good. I don't know. I think maybe I'm a Guardians fan. I think you are. <laughs> I think you are. It's, I mean, for them to come out with this new number one and kind of shift the setting for them all and kind of mm -hmm. still keep all the characters there, it was, that's pretty dope. And I think that makes you work a fan. <laughs> yeah, so I like. I was really into it. I highly recommend it. I would give this a strong four out of five. Again, shout out to Colin and Jackson, the new It Boy duo. They're doing it. Okay. All right. And I'm always going to be up for more cosmic books, even if I don't like the Guardians. They're cool. 
Uh, not the MCU version. Next up on the list is <laughs> Captain Marvel number 48, and that's from Kelly Thompson. And Ivan Coella's doing the art still, yes? No, this was... Um, oh, Sergio Davila. Yes, Sergio Davila, yes. Right. And uh, this was the continuation still of the Brood arc. The last issue, they rescued Binary, but in order to get Binary out of her like machine, Carol had to go in it. And this issue opens up Carol's like deep into space, basically having like a nightmare. Meanwhile, on the outside, all of the X-Men, Spider-Woman, they're all like fighting all these brood, trying to like wake, uh, <clears throat> trying to rescue Carol and also kind of rescue Binary. She's like passed out. Gambit goes over to her. And he's like, you know, can she absorb energy like Carol? And they were like, yeah, I think so. He's like making this mad dash to her. And he's like, I got an idea. He tries to like pump some energy into her and brings her back to life. Um, they're trying to have this cute moment together, like, oh, yay, we're, we're so glad you're back all around. Spider-Woman and her are, Spider-Woman and Binary are, like, hugging and stuff, and Lorna is like, girls, get serious. Like, we all need to start fighting now. We're still in the middle of this battle. Um, Psylocke ends up, like, trying to connect everybody with her uh, telepathy, but ends up getting stabbed and killed by one of the brood, the brood queen. Um, Rogue is back on the ship, and she has this really great heart-to-heart moment again with um, hazmat and now she's like you know she also got hit with this telepathic shout from Psylocke and they're like they basically need our help we've got some stuff on this ship we're going to go back inside and help them meanwhile Carol is having this like crazy out of body experience because she's like trapped inside this machine um, binary gets up she's like trying to fight the rude queen and she's like you know I gotta rescue Carol binary ends up getting killed um, she ends up getting like attacked by the boot queen and like <laughs> the boot queen like takes a big bite of her stomach and she's like ripped out and bleeding and Carol inside of her machine ends up having this like I guess you could say like a vision basically of binary or binary is able to reach her somehow either way inside of this machine Carol sees binary and she's like you know you need to wake up like you need to get yourself out of this machine and Carol's like are you dead and Binary's like, yes, I am. And Carol's like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry I didn't like protect you the way that I thought I should have. I thought letting you go off into the world and doing these things on your own was what was best for you because it's what you wanted to do. Um, but I apologize. And she was like, you know, sometimes Binary was like, you know, sometimes people lose. And Carol was like, I'm going to make this up. She like absorbs all this energy and is holding like a dead binary and she's like brood queen your life is over now so that's how the issue ends it's the final issue i'm sorry uh two more issues left 49 and then 50. 49 will obviously be like the big battle with the x-men and the brood and then we'll wrap up in 50. so uh this mm. issue was fantastic great issue you got your wish binary is dead I did. <laughs> when she died in this, I thought, oh, damn, I guess she is going to mm, die. You have been <laughs> pushing that agenda for quite some while, so congratulations. I didn't want her to die. I just thought I, she was I don't know about that. It definitely sounds like you <laughs> wanted her to die. But nonetheless, <laughs> she's dead. Carol, is... Carol looks cool in her, like, super energy form <laughs> while she's holding her dead binary. I think it looks she should. She should take the costume. She... Loki, I think she probably is. I think she's probably <laughs> gonna be like, oh, I'm wearing this for her or whatever. I think she probably might. Yeah, okay. um, um, but it sounds like the ship's turned around for Carol. Uh, like she, it's really interesting to think about characters. A lot of times, 
obviously they have been in publishing for like decades and we can go to certain runs and people will say, you know, this is kind of like out of character for this person or like they were acting weird during this time. But when you read them all together and you kind of like look at it as one long story arc for that person, the way they have grown has been really interesting because like the way you have described this run, and even what I see people talk about it with Captain Marvel and things like that, the nuance and insight that Carol now has and it being there specifically because there was such a lack of it during like the Civil War II era is like a really nice character moment to have and like to kind of watch that be play out in front of you. I think that's dope. I think it's been a fantastic run for her. She really has turned the ship around. I think one of, I vividly remember one of your biggest complaints with Carol was that you felt like she doesn't learn anything. Like every time it comes up Mm -hmm. to a new run, it's like, oh, we're doing the same thing where she's hot-headed or whatever. This entire run, I would say back, uh, the first time I really noticed it was during the Empire run where she became an accuser because uh, that boy and his husband, he needed one and he wanted Carol to be it. And people, it was Empire, there was obviously enemies and stuff around and she was made an accuser and people were thinking, oh, she's gonna like accuse and Mm-hmm. do all this stuff but she ended up giving the hammer back and like was like i'm not going to be here and do that i'm looking for the villain at the time i think it was one of the doctors i'm going to go back and read this a great arc but um you really see like the growth of the character and it's a testament mm-hmm. to kelly thompson's writing and how she viewed the character i know that recently she had an interview where she said coming into carol was hard for her because she felt like she had to walk a weird line because of the writing that she had before and the misconceptions mm-hmm. that people have mm-hmm. of carol versus the actual challenges that Carol has and that she has to write. So she's combating, she's combating people's misconceptions on top of like the character's own like character growth that you need to give, which I'm sure- You got a course correct. You got a course correct from the Republican superhero thing that she had become and then also give her like meaningful stories that show why I guess that was her, but why it's not her anymore, but still make it feel natural. She's had quite a challenge, but again, I've heard lots of good things about this. It got to 50. Shout out to Kelly Thompson for that. Like Not everybody's babe does that. This is Carol's longest run, yes? Yes, it and is. This is, I think, also the longest run of Captain Marvel. Period. And it's a fantastic one. Art is fantastic throughout the entire thing. Um, I also appreciate all the different power-ups that she gave her. Um, I know that Kelly has said even on our show interviewing her that, like, she isn't the biggest fan of writing these types of powers, but the way that she wrote them I thought was great. Um, that she she, she, she shows like, you that Carol is powerful, but she still has limits. Yes. Yes, exactly, because she was going to stomp in this. <laughs> all throughout this run. <laughs> I will never get that time when um, Enchantress, like, Use magic on her, and Luke Cage just sat and like beat her up. It was wild. Like <laughs> that's how it's got to be. For your favorite character to win, they gotta lose. Yes, yeah. So fantastic. I'd give this issue a four out of five, maybe a four point five. Okay, that's really good. All right. Um, and final book on our list this week is X Men number twenty one, and that is from Jerry Duggan and Stefano Pacelli is doing the art. Now there was a lot going on in this one. Um, you know, this arc has kind of been building up on a lot of different things. We had the blue stuff that was going on. There was the side plot with Forge and Monet. And the last issue 
we can talk about that too. But the last issue, uh, <laughs> Nightmare showed up and he showed that he had actually been like taking control of some of the brood while Brew was sleeping. And like those were some of the ones that like the people have been fighting. Although a lot of the brood are just like kind of crazy and like constantly doing destruction anyway. So it was like, well, right? Right. It's like, so, just whatever. <laughs> so. Jean kind of, like, beats Nightmare pretty easily, and she's like, I hold back a lot on people, but, like, don't play with me. I'm not that girl. The next time you come here, if you do this, she's like, I'm going to kill you. Being Mean Grey, the girl who we know her to be. Um, And then she's like, I got to go help my team. She goes with Magic and Brew, and they, like, pour it off. You cut to Monet and Forge, and they've been on this, like, alternate universe uh, on their celestial head. It's ending. Forge is like, okay, the mission is complete. We need somebody to come pick us up and take us back home. Um, we're back on our regular Earth. Monet is very, like, nice and touchy-feely. She's, like, holding Forge's hand, which was very odd to me. So it kind of gives me the impression. I don't know if something else is... Well, obviously something else is going to happen because, like, we only got, like, two pages per issue of whatever was going on there. So there's a lot of mystery, like, off-screen of what was going on. But I wonder if something happened with some type of switch in the characters or their personalities, because when they did first show up on that thing in that alternate universe, they came across their own bodies already on the ground. So, like, I wonder if there's something going on there, because, or maybe Monet was trying to get with Forge. That could also be, like, my thing, but she needs to back back, because I am still very much in support of Forge and Storm forever and ever. Oh, I was wondering um, who you were gonna say there. That's what I said. I don't know who you were on Forge with, outside of Storm. Exactly. Exactly. So Magic comes and picks them up. They go and meet um, with Cyclops and the rest of the team. So before they can do that, you know, Cyclops and his crew went to go rescue. Corsair, and they came across a planet that was being attacked by the group and say they got all these refugees and they were going to take them to a safe space. While they were doing that, they come to find out that all of the people who they rescued were already infected by the brood and they started like manifesting. And so, you know, it was a trap. They were supposed to be the payloads to take them to the other planets to like distance, destroy people. Um, Talon and Sink have to act quickly. He remembers how he stood next to Lorna one time and he taps into her powers and he like rips open the hull of the shield. And so all of those people die. So we kind of like see him and Talon taking the brunt of that, like how they couldn't save people when they think back to the ball and like all the things that they've had to go through. We see Cyclops, Iceman and Firestar just kind of seeing the sea of dead people floating in space that had been turned. Jean and her crew pop up. Cyclops is like, all right, we're going to kill the brood. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Jean's like, absolutely not. She's like, some of these people can be saved. Like, Brew has his crew. They kind of get into, like, a little argument about it. She's talking, she's like, so you're choosing genocide. How very human of you. She, like, takes off his mat, his visor, and is holding his, <laughs> his powers back with hers. Um, and they're just going back and forth. We get a quick data page where we see all of the war captains actually they, talking they, about. They fighting in front of the team? Yeah, oh yeah, it's real ghetto. No, it's everyone's watching, (laughs) everyone's looking, Mouse jaws into the floor, it's crazy. Um, We see a data page that that are between all the war captains, and they're talking about how to deal with the brawl themselves. Bishop and Cyclops are very much like, we need to get rid of them completely. Bishop has this crazy idea where he's like, we have a backup of Wanda, let's regrow one of her husks, but instead of putting her memories back, we'll have a telepath take control of it and just say, no more brood. (laughs) And just wipe them all out. <laughs> I'm 
whatever. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Cyclops is like, I mean, maybe we should talk about it, but um, Psylocke 2 and Magic are like, absolutely not. We're not here for this. And they go out about their day. So, you know, they continue to argue. Cyclops basically tells Gene, he's like, and you know, emotions are high. You got to think about everything that's been going on. Cyclops just rescued his dad, who had also been infected, set up this trap. They just got all these people rescued from this planet, and then they just had to kill them all again. They're angry. They're mad. He's like, we're going to go kill the brood. Like, whatever. Don't stop me. They teleport off. Gene is like, Brew, me and you are going to go get some of your people, which she actually, this is the ones that he can rescue. They actually take them to the nowhere celestial head that Monet and Ford were in, and they put it by, like, Jupiter. And they're like, this is where you guys will live. And, like, if anything goes wrong, you're in charge of here, Brew, like, Brew, you know what's going on, you know what to do. Um, and then we'll see the rest of that team dealing with the Brood in, Captain, in the next issue of Captain Marvel. Oh, they'll probably come in and yeah, because okay, they get a distress. So like while they're in the middle of arguing, of course, they get a distress call from Quanon, who's with Captain Marvel, and she's like, you know, hey, we came up here to rescue Rogue. We got this big issue with the brood going on here on this planet. We know you guys in space. Can you come help us? And it's kind of like Blade with Scott's point. He's like, they gotta die, and it's just that simple. And they go off. That's so there was there was a moment in Captain Marvel where after. Psylocke who had gotten stabbed that she was like on a thing like she was seen like trying to make a call yeah so that's probably what that was for um and they'll show up there so then that was how the issue ends there, like i said there was a lot going on i feel like some of the nightmare plot stuff the monet stuff obviously that was in there i do wonder if maybe it was supposed to be longer or if like we kind of shortened some things because we know fall of x is coming up so we'll like get back to it later but i thought it was interesting altogether the nightmare thing was kind of like random but it was still fun that like he just popped i think that's how superheroes should work like you're always in a situation mm -hmm. that kind of continues to get worse he just popped back up because he wanted to get his lick back on gene i'm not mad at that <laughs> yes i agree um, I also like him and Gene having a feud. I think that uh, yeah. telepaths should have, like, you know, their own, like, ghostly kind of psychic entity thing that they kind of kind like. Of yeah, so it's been really nice. I've, again, I'm a big fan of year two. I've been enjoying everything that was going on. I appreciated that this issue kind of, like, finally introduced some type of debate amongst the team. A little bit of, like, we see some cracks now what's going on. And again, we know that Fall of X is coming. We know that Gene and Scott have typically been on the same side about a lot of things that have happened, and this is the first time where they've been on the opposite view. And again, they were just arguing in front of everybody else, but we didn't hear anybody else's POV. So it's like, are we going to follow up with that? And then, you know, are people going to start to take sides? We know that things are changing for everybody. We kind of seen some previews of stuff that's happening in Fall of X, and it doesn't look like the X-Men are really like super present as they have been so who knows what can go on i'm excited to see where we go from here i really enjoyed this issue i would give it like a solid like 3.5 out of 5. um okay I, I think that the monet forge thing i kind of would have liked to see a little bit more of that um just because i was kind of confused on what was going on what they did but what they were even doing yeah but we move. We'll get back to it, I'm sure. And that was that. Yeah. Maybe it'll circle back around. I think you should get back into year two. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. I think I might catch back up on Marvel Unlimited. I know that they're probably up to at least, what, issue is, at least 20-something, right? I dropped it at 16, so I'll catch up for everything after that. Mm -hmm. 
And for the record, I do want it to be known that I was on the side of Forge and I mean not Forge, um, Bishop and Cyclops. Oh, same. They mean y'all <laughs> I'm sorry, the boot are like crazy and like they always here and they always call the problems and like I'm trying they always come to kill people and like impregnate them. And you can't right. once you impregnate it, like you can't get rid of it. So like the the Wanda bomb idea was crazy though. Bishop was on one. <laughs> it was fun. That is a little wild. <laughs> like he may have had to relax with that one. But I, like, I, I see what the vision was. It's like I get it. I, I was walking with you. You took a step too far. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slow your pace. <laughs> just, just but, um, yeah, that was it. And those are our books of the week. All right, y'all. Well, then let's go ahead and get into the AR Club of the Week. And this week we ran issues 11 through 14 of Avengers Arena. And this is where things, again, are starting to, like, heat up some more as we uh, head towards the end of this series. Uh, this issue opens up now. Everybody's, like, separated. People have been attacked from the last issue was when we find out about how, basically, um, um, Apex is, like, the main villain. And she now has control of this Sentinel as well as control of uh, Death Locket. So everyone's pretty much on the run from her. This issue opens up and Reptile and Hazmat are like on the beach. They have made it to safe zone three. And Reptile like kills these sharks, <laughs> which was kind of cool. I won't lie, it looked kind of cool. Um, he caught these sharks and hazmat and reptile have this moment where she's like oh don't look at me i'm in my bikini i'm like that she took her suit off and she's having these like i don't want to say like out of body moments but kind of where she's just acting like nothing happened just oh you know we are i'm on the beach i'm just going to enjoy this like time that we have here because i'm not going to focus on the fact that everybody has to die um then the other people end up like crashing in this was the uh radic academy people um, they end up crashing in because Nico has teleported them away when they were all like fighting. She tried to save all of them. They all feel like, you know, maybe we should go back and help Nico. Hazmat is still like freaking out, kind of, but not like in a real reactionary way. She's like, oh, I'm just going to, everything is fine. I'm just going to be over here, minding my business, everyone. Oh, look, we caught this shark. Like, anybody want some shark? <laughs> and um, again, people are like realizing that she's like kind of lost it. She ends up having a breakdown with Reptile after he says like, stop acting like everything is okay. She freaks out as this big explosion with her powers. She brings up the fact that like Metal, her boyfriend was exploded in front of her. Like nothing is ever going to be the same. Her life is completely different. She has this kind of revelation, but then at the end of the issue, she comes in, comes back around and she's like, you know, we need to like get out of here and just basically go for um, go after Arcade ourselves. Really good issue. In the beginning, I was reading this like, I don't really know how, like, why is Hazmat acting like this? I feel like I didn't remember this part of the story back when I was reading it, but um, I did end up liking the fact that, like, this is a regular teen yeah. kind of reaction to something PTSD. like this, but they're just gonna, yeah, and truly, like, just pretend it didn't happen and kind of... This is why, um, Titans is such a good show. This is how they be acting on there. I've been catching up on it again. I've been trying to rewatch Titans. I am hoping to finally, this is the fourth try. I'm hoping to finally make Titans it past season two. It's an excellent series. It's no, just. And a D-op is excellent. And hard. Uh, it's like I the bond. 
the boy who plays Nightwing, Brandon Waits, the way him and like Starfire are the parents of the group, the way you have to deal with like them caring about Raven. Donna's like the annoying sister, but she's dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so we don't. Yeah, she got from, like electrocution. Hawk and Dove are like the cousins who come in and help every time. Jason's the brother. Oh my God, they just introduced Tim Drake. You know, I don't even like Tim Drake, but it's also the boy who was in the Batman movie. So he's like Gotham. Yes. It's a great show. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm being, like, oh my gosh. This season was great. It's had Brother Blood. Murder, Jinx has been in it. Oh my gosh. I can't talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue on. We got to raise the bar. But anyway, let's keep moving. <laughs> um, <laughs> issue 12 is opens up with um, Apex again. She's like burning everything with this because um, she's now controlling Darkhawk and Deathlocket as well as the um, the Sentinel that they had. I think that Justin Boy is like I don't think he's dead. Oh yeah, he's dead. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Nico has been trying to drag herself back to her wand, and basically she like revives herself. Um, uh-huh. We see her like health, her health bar on this thing kind of raised up, which I thought was an interesting thing to see. She really All looked like uh, regeneration. Yes, <laughs> the power. It was like that's what I'm talking yes. about. She was flying through. Looked good. Yeah, she did. And now then she pretty much has this whole fight with her and um, Apex, where she's like using Apex is using Death Locket. But Nico is like using her magic, using all these one words and stuff. She's like putting out the fire um, with stuff. It looks really cool. So um, one thing I'll always give the magic stuff is it, the visuals are cool. Um, but I'm I'm basic. I like pretty lights. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's all I like. Um, and yeah, so they end up having this longer fight. Uh, has I'm sorry. Um, Nico is trying to like take everybody out. She ends up like not being able to really like attack Darkhawk, but then does. <laughs> like, she's like, well, I can't let you take me out, so she does end up attacking him. Um, Darkhawk ends up, like, blasting her, and, like, I thought she wasn't going to make it, because he was, like, blasting her for, like, two pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nico, like, comes back, basically, <laughs> uses her wand. I mean, uh, Apex, like, took her wand and was, like, it's cute that you thought you were going to do this. I didn't even really want to be the villain of this story, but I guess everyone needs one. Nico gets up and she's like, um, staff of one to me. And it like flies over to her. She uses her powers and like rips open the earth and sucks her down there. She's like, I got to get rid of this girl. And um, I thought this issue was a lot of fun. Um, All the fighting and stuff was really great. But really intriguing stuff. When they got sent down into earth, Deathlock wakes up and she's like going into this room that she sees and she learns that like there's this metal body and i'm sorry metal as in like the character he's like <laughs> the body of him that's on this like slab and she sees that like the inner workings of this avengers i'm sorry uh, this murder world and she's like yeah. what <laughs> what is going on this feels like a tv show um, yeah it does that, like it would it really kind of reads like a great like tv series the way that everything kind of like flows and the excitement from oh my gosh Murder World is being like broadcasted out, and like we are actually now that I think about it, this is just like the movie. <laughs> so anyone yeah. who's ever seen uh, the movie, this is just that this is based on. It is pretty much just like that. Um, okay, issue thirteen is uh, more of a issue where we see the inner workings of Arcade. We see how he kind of like feels about his uh, Murder World. How he's been watching everybody back in on. In America, I should say, at the Avengers Academy, um, Molly is freaking out, and she's like, where are all my friends? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Nobody really believes her. 
and she's like, no, this isn't right. Like you guys need to find them. Um, and they're like, you know, they're teenagers. Like they probably just went away. They're allowed to do that. But Molly's like, no, this isn't right. Tigra and Hank Pym are like, you know, we know where the kids are. We know when they come here, like they're allowed to go off. And Pym is like, mm, I don't know if that's, that's right. They try to go and talk to Finesse. Finesse brings up that her and X-23 didn't really get along. So she was and like, also, once me. again, look at Tigra being worthless. <laughs> she is. Exactly. Too bad for the furries. Mm. Um, Finesse and X-23, I guess, had words with each other. They try to talk to Finesse about it. And Finesse is like, I didn't even like that girl. So Period. what you asking me about, about her for? <laughs> it's really that simple. It's that simple. That's pretty much what she said. She flips away and she's like, y'all should go ask one of the other people. Um, we get a flash at the Wolverine, the Jean Grey school at the time. And they're asking about some of the students. Like, again, they're like, you know, they are just gone. Who knows where they are? Um, the kid, the, there have been fake social media posts that have been made because they call Captain, Hank Pym calls Captain Britain. And he's like, where are the kids? He's like, I know exactly where they are. Look at their uh, Twitter feed. And look, they're just posting pictures like they're being teenagers. And later, we basically learned that all this is had been fake. Um, Tiger calls calling Justin, who has a sentinel, his dad. He's like, you know, he, my son shouldn't even be at that school. He doesn't have any powers. Um, I want him to stay home. And now that he's been home, I'm not going to let you take him. And it turns out that, like, that was a life model decoy that has been his son this entire time. So uh, the Avengers Academy are starting to learn that these students had been taken and that there's somewhere that they shouldn't be they end up actually meeting metal even though it's like we know that it's a like a fake metal because we saw like this body of one being on the last screen arcade still feels like uh he is kind of losing control right now where things are getting a little too close he feels like you know i gotta switch it up i gotta do something different um to really get this murder world thing happening um so what does he do next issue we find out that it is a Laura-based issue, basically, because he triggers trigger scent <laughs> across the entire island. He basically wants to speed up this murder world thing, which makes sense. Like, it's Wolverine. He said, kill him. Really <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not doing it. <laughs> and I want y'all dead. So they end up, like, basically having to run away from... Um, from Wolverine because like Triggerson is being everywhere. Uh, Hazmat ends up like walking into this woods and she sees like this fake metal and she's like, oh my gosh, is that him? Like I have to go over there, turn around. Triggerson comes out of his eyes and mouth. And of course she's right next to Laura. And yeah, everybody got to run basically. <laughs> and uh, we also get a lot of backstory on a Cullen Bloodstone and like how he ends up getting his powers and now he ended up becoming like, in, I don't want fused basically with this like big monster who he has this ring which keeps it under control. And when he takes that ring off, he becomes this beast. Going back and like reading this stuff with Cullen and seeing him here, it is so jarring because my last interaction with him has been all the stuff that Teeny Howard was doing and Nick Scott over. And he was so much older and he was like, kind of racist <laughs> towards. Right? And, and it was just like, this feels like such a completely different character than the one that, I mean, it is a different character. But again, like we were just talking about character journeys and like character growth. And it's like, oh, I guess this little boy grew up to be racist. Yeah, he's unlike me, I guess. It's um, crazy which, to me. 
in this, he turned into this beast because he's finna tear up Laura. So it tracks. It was on the intention was always there. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next issue it seems like we're gonna be getting some more of this fight. Um again, I've been having a great time reading rereading this. Um, I think this is the most I've had fun reading like younger characters in a while. Um uh, catch it, Academy X kids. But this has been a lot of fun. It is. It's a good time. I enjoy a lot of these characters and I'm happy to see them again. And it's also kind of like sad because you think about some of them and it's like, where are they now? Yeah. But I mean, most of these, I don't think, I'm not a person who thinks that every character that is introduced is going to be someone that should be, that should be and will be kept around. Well, everyone's like, not a star, yes, but I think there are a lot <laughs> of books that could, like, use them. I honestly would not mind seeing Finesse show up in the cat books. That would be fun. This is what I mean about backup stories, y'all. We should bring those yeah. around. I really truly think that Marvel Comics would benefit from having a backup story. Black Cat is selling decently. You don't think a sales boost for her would come from the Finesse fans? Even if Finesse clearly can't have her own solo. Ooh, so like, Finesse and Black Cat would be nice. I like that. Yeah. I, I see that. Would be that. Great. See, Somebody yeah, gotta start listening to us. The um and the backups have been a really good thing for DC too. I think they have like worked wonders and they've kept so many characters who you would normally feel like would fall into oblivion stay on the forefront. Mm-hmm. There's a Nubia one going on in the uh, what is that event? The Lazarus God, Planet. Yeah, Lazarus Planet, War of the Gods, her and Faruka yeah. doing the stuff. And it's like, you know, she don't got a book now, you get to continue to see her. You get people to buy your event. It's it's good. I like it. Exactly. I truly been think Marvel would benefit a lot of those. They have so many characters that I think may not have it for a solo thing. And um but I think you why not still keep that audience spot? Yeah. Just putting them in the backup. Agreed. Know? Look at Power Girl. I don't know if that's the example. Well maybe not. I don't know if that's a good example. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um all right, y'all. Well, those are all the books that we have read this week. Um, let us know how you guys are feeling. Avengers Arena will be uh, finishing up with 15 through 18 next week. Um, but let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll catch you next. We'll <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> season chicken wings that Ooh, I'm, that uh, good. yeah that i'm a bake i'm really excited Ooh, i love chicken wings oh, it's so good i love chicken period like that's why i'll never be able to be a vegan vegetarian pescatarian anything like that i'll never give up chicken i'm sorry it's just not happening. i tried i tried to be vegetarian it lasted for like two hours <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing this it's not for me i don't know nothing about that lifestyle <laughs> Not I can me. do a salad. I can't, and I can't even oh, I love a salad and stuff. But you know, I, it's especially Popeyes. Have you had the new strawberry uh, biscuit from Popeyes yet? You know, I have not, but it is on my. I want to try it. <laughs> ooh, I had it. It was good. It was good. I was like, ooh, my arteries gonna get clogged up. I don't care. I want to go get it. It's just something you know. Treat yourself once a week. 
My friend, I have a friend actually. He is like obsessed with the teas at Popeye, so he like goes to Popeye and gets like the little sugar. <laughs> Whenever you go to his house, he's got like a thing of tea. He usually might have like two. And he, I'd be like, why do you have? He's like, I know it's so bad, it's so bad, but it's like he's always got to stop. <laughs> hey, if it makes you happy, do it. I support it. I mean, I like the tea too, so I'll be complaining. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, welcome back to the relaunch section of the show. And this week, I'm going to be doing a character close-up. Um, a character I kind of like, but, like, she doesn't really get too much play. But, I mean, we'll explain kind of why soon. And this is Fire. Now, her name is Beatrice DaCosta, but she um, actually had a name change, at, like, halfway through her um, time being in comics to uh, Beatrice Bonilla DaCosta. I don't know why they changed it, but whatever. Um, but her name originally was actually Green Fury. Now, when she was first introduced, um, she was just, she just had, like, green powers, basically. She could, like, has this mystical green fire. She was, like, more magic than anything else. She could also, like, project this, like, hallucinations and stuff, which was interesting. Um, but her first villain that she fought was actually Superman. He was being controlled by Puppet Master and uh, Green Fury had to fight him. And then she ends up like calling the super friends at the time. She This was back in 1979, by the way. Um, she ended up calling the super friends to like help her. And then she, of course, ended up like joining the team. So she was Green Fury for a while. Then she joined the Global Guardians, which was this other like offshoot Just League team that DC had. Um, kind of like some weird characters. You had like El Dorado over there and um, bunch of other like random stuff that kind of has gone under the radar um but then in pure dc fashion a crisis happened and uh this is where things changed for her her name changed to beatrice bonilla da costa and this is where she also ends up uh, becoming green flame instead of green fury and uh then she joined i think she joined infinity inc for a little bit too so after she kind of like bounced around there justice league international was created I know most people know that team, and that was when uh, the United Nations like came together. They wanted their own kind of Justice League, basically. And uh, by the time she joined, the United Nations like uh, had pulled funding for the Guardians of Justice League International, kind of like took their place. And um, her best friend and teammate at the time was named Ice Maiden. That was who I was this week. Originally, her name was Ice Maiden. She changed her name and shortened it to Ice. So Beatrice was like, oh, I like that. I'm going to change my name from Green Flame to Fire to kind of match her. Now, as you can kind of see, there's a connection between the two of them that I think. It says on paper best friends, but in reality, it's lesbians. It's lesbians. Um, That's basically what I'm getting at. They're lesbians. And long story short, she ends up like, there's this like gene bomb by the Dominators. The Dominators are this big like alien kind of, they're kind of rude, but they look different. Um, like, and like, they're like these aliens who just want to dominate. That's why they're called Dominators. Um, and her powers increases where she gets the fire powers that we know her to have. And, or like the more uh, stronger fire powers that we know her to have. So she ends up having these like, um, adventures with the Justice League International. Her and Ice are really like, kind of best friend she plays like they try to have her be like a big sister to ice but it was 
very <laughs> not that. Um, even so, recently they had like a, I think it was this past Valentine's Day, there was that Valentine's Day issue uh, that DC put out. And yes, I yes. To- and it was about that. I read it. It was definitely about like Beatrice Fire talking about her love of ice. She had been going on dates and like nothing was working. She wasn't connected. No, no, not dates. She was like swiping she- through people on like Tinder and it wasn't working. And she at the like, end, oh, but it's I really like, love you. I love you. And I was like, oh. Yeah. But it was like, but they said like, I love you as like my friend. And it was like, my platonic love. And it's like, it's not giving that. And I get why they try to do that because Ice very much has like a very prominent relationship with Guy Gardner, which I do approve of. I like Ice and Guy. But the girls mm-hmm. be bisexual. So it's yeah. Fine. And like, I don't even know if they're Ice and Guy are together right now. So like, they're not. And they're kind of toxic. So that makes it's sense. That... Probably, they're probably toxic because like, she likes something else. <laughs> there you go. It's all coming together. You don't really have what she likes. Um, but anyway, uh, then later on, she uh, she ends up becoming like a part of Checkmate, which was like a, um, I don't know how to describe them. There's another like team espionage kind of team within uh, the DC universe. They've got so many like of these teams that I feel They've like all we ever hear about was like the league. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. But they've got a lot of teams. They need to bring a couple back. They can really do something with those IPs. I agree. Um, but she's pretty much just been like lost in limbo right now. She is a Brazilian uh, character who is like native to Brazil. And um, I think that she should be kind of brought back around. Um, she hasn't really had like a solo or anything like that. However, I think that she would have great backup issues within the Justice League book. Uh, there are a lot of those characters that have, like you just said, there are so many teams, but a lot of these characters aren't on them because those teams don't exist kind of right now. They're not in books. So why not bring those teams as backups and other books or just maybe do some like solo kind of one-shotty things with characters in the books? I personally think that originally she was um, the president of Wayne Enterprises in Brazil. Um, I don't think that she needs to kind of stick with that yet. She was... Batman sells, so like everybody created a new yeah. character and attached him to Batman. Um, you know, I don't know if she technically needs to keep that connection. Um, maybe she does because, like I said, Batman sells, so maybe that anchor might help her. But I do would like to see her become more of like a superhero, um, kind of like a maybe more of a business superhero where she is still like you know within a corporate world during the day, and then at night she's out there firing and ice doing stuff. So. <laughs> I think that would be cool. I've always been a fan of Fire and Ice. I really like their design. I like the dichotomy of their powers. I like when they're together. I like their relationship. And, like, obviously, Fire is unrequited love for Ice and probably her love for her. Um, I do think that when I look at Fire, I feel like she kind of falls into the lane that a lot of Fire characters get into, where I think people look at their powers as too destructive. And like kind of too chaotic, and so I, I don't know. It's just something I've noticed over time about a lot of characters who have control over fire, like do something with fire. Like they have a moment where they're around for a little bit, and they kind of get pulled back to the wayside, and then we don't see them for a while. So I wonder if they could kind of rework that, or like how her fire affects people. Wouldn't you know maybe bring some of that old magic stuff back into it and see if that does something. Um, but I would like to see her come back. And I think she would also need a new costume. I have always enjoyed kind of like the headband, kind of leisurely 80s look that she's had. But we do need to modernize her a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of characters have really a lot of costumes that 
kind of hit and they probably won't change, but I think just need to be updated. Um, recently, we just saw that there was a new Teen Titans World's Finest book coming out. Yes. Um, and all of the characters in that book are this the old Titans. <laughs> so like the original. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's Dick Grayson. Gar- Garth is there, so you know. Garth is there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but still, though, all those characters got like updates kind of to yeah. their costumes to really make them look more modern. Bumblebee looks great on that team. So I think like Fire and has shout a out to aesthetic. Also for being like, she's kind of replaced Lilith in that regard, but you know, there was always Dawn on the team whenever they used to, anyways, they used to have another girl on the side and Bumblebee has kind of become that character. And I think that's really mm-hmm. cool because I think they've done a lot with Bumblebee over the years. And I feel like Bumblebee is one of those DC characters where she gets like a lot of limelight at times and then she just kind of disappears again but she's always like put in something as like one of the dc characters to know yeah it's hard to keep the characters who's like their own status quo is they don't want to do this they want to go do something else and i know bumblebee is like she's a scientist she and she initially didn't even want to be a superhero mal because her man did he just wasn't good at kind of girl well, yeah, maybe, maybe. She's going to ride for her marriage. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that Fire could easily, like, have, like, an update. I don't know if she needs a full redesign, but maybe just, like, you know, uh, some modernization. She... You want to cut her hair or something? No, never. Um, <laughs> I would never say that. I think she should continue to have long hair. I don't know. I just think, especially if you want to put her in this aspect of being a little bit more superhero-y, being with other teams, I feel like the outfit kind of needs to reflect that and just be something a little bit more extravagant. Yeah. And like you said, also having firepowers. I think that should be a chance for writers to really show how to write characters who do have destructive abilities and how they can still be a superhero. Um, you would have to a, probably give her you know, stuff to set on fire, but also have a controlling fire is just that. Controlling fires is not always yeah. like destroying stuff. So maybe she just needs to figure out what that is. Yeah, I would be down to it. Like I said, I like fire. I'm here for anything that brings her to the forefront. Yeah. So yeah, that is my character close up on fire. I think that she should be brought back around. She's had a really rich history with the Justice League on that international, as well as some like smaller teams. Um, I think that she could be a bigger character, especially with like representation. And she just looks cool. Like she does look cool. She looks cool. Green fire is hot. It's interesting. Yeah. Nobody else does that. Nobody else does that. And make her a lesbian. Like let's stop. Like just make fire nice a couple. It is what it is. <laughs> I saw this I saw this picture of the two of them together and I was like, whoa, this is hot. Like like they look hot. They're fire eyes. Opposite is trying. Yes. It works. Yes. Yes. All right, y'all. Well, then that brings us to the end of the show. Please make sure you guys follow us on social media at UncannyLZ. I'm sorry, at <laughs> another relaunch. <laughs> on and Twitter and Instagram, you can find us on YouTube at another relaunch TV. You can email us at another relaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at the end. Um, oh, and like I've definitely played with some of y'all out there on Fortnite. I've not been doing that well this week. I don't know if it was not my you, costume. That's you telling the people to join you in the game <laughs> that you not play. That's how you it's get just, cut from the party. It, it was just, it was, it was not, I'm not doing well right now. 
I got to get my head right, get it back in the game. I was clearing it when I was just as rogue for a bit, but I need to, maybe I need to change my costume back to that. <laughs> but um, all right, y'all, let's get up out of here. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> Peace.